Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. You're still stuck on old ale, aren't you? Yeah. This is Belgian double. Okay. Can you talk like a Belgian monk? No, but I could say down by the bayou or something. (laughs) John, please say my brother from a Cajun mother. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. 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 Yes. A Belgian double. Come down to my, my, my swamp in the bayou. In the bayou. Drink bells in the bar. me and take your clothes off, your friend. I'm sure we've totally offended anybody, like, remotely Cajun. Yeah. By now. Damn Californians. They've, they've, they've to- tuned out. Yeah. I'd be curious to hear about any... any Some European, like, any, Anybody who's truly Cajun who's, you know, listening and, and would actually care about sure. the show. You know, I went to New Orleans uh, not too long ago and, and was hanging out there and... And uh, did they talk about that? Some no, some home brewers and stuff, and I don't know, if, you know. But you know, I, I got nothing against uh, Cajun people. <laughs> Quite the contraire. Quite the contraire. Right, that place uh, is in flux. Huh? No one's. It's recovering slowly. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know, uh, last night we did the Bruce Strong show. Four hours worth. Four hours worth of, uh, you know, all sorts of information on enzymes and metals and brewing and all that. Now three hours of shows tonight of styles and styles and styles uh, yeah, yeah. and styles. Uh, I'm getting a little worn out. Yeah. Plus, uh, I was hanging out with uh, Gary Glass and Aaron Glass and uh, and um, uh, Bradley, all from the AHA and the BA. At the uh, uh, HA rally? In? Yeah, for the HA rally out at uh, Anchor Brewing. And that was cool. Great went there brewery. and yeah, went there and uh, checked that out. Had, had a lot of fun. Met met a bunch of people, and uh, started the morning off with some uh, old Potrero. <laughs> just there, <laughs> they're distilled get them dry whiskey. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, that's the way to start the day. Yeah, good work. Uh, you know, generous pours and uh, <laughs> generous. So, so that's uh, that's what I'm feeding off. Yeah, of that's right a, now. yeah, that's <laughs> the that's, Potrero. That's the, uh. the, the fumes coming off of me. <laughs> That's that's a smell too, huh? Right. Well, that's just like took the wind out of my sails. You yeah, know, I was yeah. nice all peppy this morning. I slept in a little late. That's why you're ready for a nap. Night. Yeah, now I'm like ready for a nap. Kind of kind of worn me down. But we're getting ready for the uh, National Homebrew Conference in uh, June 2009, June 18th, 2009, here in uh, Oakland, California, it's at be the awesome. Oakland Marriott. It's gonna be so fun. 
It's it's awesome. We we checked out the other day. We went by and checked out the hotel, and uh, there, you know, real nice Marriott, and uh, the space is huge. We get you know like double the space that we've had you know previously. So and then this last year, yeah. So there's you know lots of room. Uh, it's a great setup as far as, you know, receiving beers and stuff and, you know, getting it all set up and cold storage space right. uh, for competition beers and for club night beers and hospitality sweet beers and all that. And then uh, uh, parking right there. It's a convention center. It's the Oakland Convention Center. So oh. it's not like some, some wimpy little, you know, hotel space. It's the Oakland Convention Center, wow. which is like 50,000 square feet. Can't you BART right down to the convention yeah, center? actually... You know, standing. We were standing in front of the hotel in the in the uh, where you drive in, where valet parking is, right in the hotel, front of the hotel. We're standing there, and we're like, "Ah, oh, I wonder where the Bart station is." And the guy says, "Well, it's right there." And we're like, <laughs> "We're court. looking, you know, we're looking down the street. We're like, yeah, where, where? Where are you drinking? Right there." <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, literally, it's the signs right there. It's like two third of a blocks awesome you know uh you know maybe not even a full block to walk there right and uh you know you catch the bart right there take you into the city it's like a seven minute ride into san francisco wow. it's uh you know uh, out to the airport it's a, 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 a direct connection yeah. from uh san francisco airport to that bart station right. it's you know they make stops but you don't have to change trains or anything right and uh, the bart station in the san francisco airport's right there in the airport yeah so so uh, convenient yeah, very convenient. And then, uh, well, there's tons of bars. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. There's, there's, uh, you know, Pacific Coast Brewing, which is right across the street, literally right across the street. And, uh, you know, they got, uh, like, uh, so you know, nine, nine beers that they brew. And then, uh, they've got, uh, the 10, 10, uh, guest 10 taps. guest taps. You know, they had, uh, Pliny on. Whoa. They had, uh, you know, and I had uh, an Avery Brown out of Cal- Colorado. They, I mean, they got like 10 real nice guest taps. Plus, we'll have the hotel. We're going to try and get them to add some uh, awesome. commercial beers in there. And then there's the Trappist. Yeah, that's brand street. new. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, a bunch of great restaurants, like, right across the street. Sometimes you're at a re- uh, hotel, and you got to walk a couple of blocks to get to yeah. some restaurants. These are literally, if you cross the street... There's the restaurants right. and they're all, you know the whole row of restaurants up and down, so that makes it real easy. And then like Friday they have their farmers market there for oh, Oakland. Perfect. It's like ah, this is this is ideal. The rooms were nice and uh, yeah, it's going to be a great place. It's going to be a great uh, uh, a great conference. Yeah, that was my only thing about this year's conference is there wasn't enough bars or nightlife that was mm-hmm. really accessible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, shoot, Berkeley, I mean, all the bars on Berkeley, right. Shattuck and Nashby and, yeah. oh my God, yeah, there's Telegraph and a ton of places to go to. Like 50 bars easily just on the East Bay. And then another 50 bars in San Francisco. It's going to be a blast. I mean, yeah. there's going to be a lot of hurt and liver. <laughs> hurt and liver. Hurt and liver. <laughs> I got the hurt and liver. That'd be cool. So, yeah, and then... uh we uh, we uh, uh, hung out with uh, uh, Tasty and and uh, Chad and uh, those guys. Chat, yeah. Chat, yeah. Chat, Chat, Chatsky, Chatsky. And uh, yeah, we, we had a great time at Anchor and uh, uh, talked to a lot of the uh, people who might be there at the conference, as far as you know, clubs and stuff like that. If you have a homebrew club and you're you're listening to this and you're going to come on out, you know, you want to bring uh, you know beers to represent your club. Absolutely. You can do that. You can have a booth at Club Night. And uh, that's where all Time the clubs to get off. together, and uh, that's probably the one of the highlights of the whole thing. Right? Uh, you know, just tons of clubs and tons of different beer, 
uh, you know, very exciting. I had a, mm-hmm. I had a, uh, always a great time at yeah. club night. Yeah. Uh, the pro brewers night, we That's got a, a ton of great pro brewers out here. We're going to try and get some foods as well. Right. And then, um, you know, the hospitality suite, you know, if you ever, you know, you want a beer, you go to the hospitality suite. There's always a club in there. <laughs> to like serving, two or four in the morning. <laughs> serving their best beers. And, uh, you know, if you want to be a club that can, uh, you know, provide that, you can do that as well. Yep. And, uh, really just fantastic i always have a great time and i think this is going to be one of the best conferences Absolutely. ever especially with all the crap here in northern california mm-hmm. and southern california that's all going to be there all right it's going to be huge yeah. Oh. yeah i always hurt myself though on on the crap beer night because <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just drink so much because uh-huh. it's all good and i just i find the beer i hang out with the booth guy i talk with the booth guy uh-huh. i have like three or four beers go to the next one ask them about what they're doing exactly they're how they get certain flavors yeah and then the next night i'm like oh you know i'm still hurting I'm just a wuss. That's all. But anyways, are you well, gonna now? You're gonna have beer on tap there, right? Oh yeah, I'll have some. I'll have some beer. I'm putting on the spot right now. Oh, we gotta sure. got people gotta try this gold nectar that you've been brewing for the last five years. Yeah, so. I'll give them the gold nectar. Yeah, you will. <laughs> well, many times. Yeah, I hurt myself at club night usually. Oh, okay. You know, because I'll I'll wander around every booth and uh, you know, run into people and go. Oh! <laughs> you know, we will have uh, you know emailed before and uh, you know have some exchanges and and they'll go, yeah, this is the beer that uh, you know I told you about that this that and the other thing and sure. I got to try it, you right. know, and I turn it, you know, I'll have that and then you know the next booth same thing yeah. and you know so you end up trying just uh, so many different beers that uh, um, it's it's uh, you know. You don't even know what we're at by the end. By, by eleven o'clock, I'm just like, ah, okay, somebody pour me in my yeah, room. Beer's beer. Yeah, <laughs> the point. yeah. Awesome. I think we got uh, got uh, Shat and Tasty and uh, Sully on the line. Oh no. Hello. Hey, brothers. Jamil, actually, it's Lanny. It's Lanny. Yes, it's Lanny. Hi, Lanny. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing well. Yourself? Great. What are you guys doing? No, I seem to step up the top of my carboy, and I'm just wondering, is it, is it shot? Do I even have a chance to salvage it, or what's going on here? Like, That's horrible. You know, the, the top of it, I'm afraid all kinds of bacteria is going to come in. I think you should uh, go back drinking some beer and drop us an email. Yeah, and then we can get back to that and figure that out. It's, it's hard to hear you with all yeah, the background noise, there, Randy. But you're inspiring me to drink more beer right now. <laughs> that was great. Well, at least we knew they were having fun at the HA rally. Fine audio, yes. <laughs> it's awesome. brought to you by uh, some guy drinking and talking on the phone. Absolutely. A little twang think, going through the airwaves. I think, was, I think it was Randy who I met at the HA rally. Oh, okay. Real nice guy. Uh, you know, uh, sounds like he's doing all sorts of interesting things with beer, but I sure. could not understand what the question was, so <laughs> I apologize on that one. All I heard was airlock, and that was enough said. <laughs> Some about carboy. Carboy airlock, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, the answer would be yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so today we're talking about Belgian double. Yes, we are. And I love this beer. Yeah. This is my f- favorite beer. Yeah. Next to a good Hellas, but. This yeah. is my favorite Belgian. Really? This is the first all grain I ever brewed. Uh-huh. Yeah. I got some cool stories, actually. Okay. I remember when I brewed it the first time, my first all grain turned out really well. Uh-huh. And I had to start working on more beer. Uh-huh. And only my boss, who I've only known for six months at the time, I go give him a pint of my beer, and I'm working late, and he's working late. And I just hear, you know, the, the glass on the table 
going back and forth. And that was a good sign that he liked drinking it. But I remember like, okay, I made good beer. My boss is drinking it. That's good news. And this kind of gave me confidence. But I aged this beer for five years in the bottle. And then five years later, I broke out the last bottle with Tasty. Uh-huh. Um, celebration of Doe's or something, being successful in NHC or something. And it was still drinkable huh. five years later. Uh-huh. Uh, it was just quite an experience. So. Very cool. Yeah. Got a little Belgian double. Mm. <laughs> so sexy. Oh, God. Right. Anyways, give us a sexy I'll give you a rundown. Sorry. <laughs> ah, this is Lanny. All right. Uh, Belgian double. Mm. Where do we start? Let's see here. Let's start in the aroma. Children. Uh, in the aroma, you should definitely get a soft, malty kind of caramel richness coming through. Um, slightly toasty with hints of fruity esters like plums or raisins. Some spiciness. Um, phenols. And uh, high alcohols are definitely present, but they're balanced, and it, it's a flavor that, con- that definitely contributes to the maltiness of the beer. Visually, it ranges from copper to dark amber, and I'm sure that color changes over time as this beer oxidizes, like we were talking about in the previous show. Uh, also, maybe have like a reddish hue. They tend to be a little bit darker, reddish, uh, not brown, but just a kind of a red glow to it when you're drinking it. Definitely clear, has a long-lasting head retention on it, which we all like. And the flavor, um, the style is a very rich, complex, multi-backbone to it. It, it. it finishes dry on the palate, but it shouldn't be hot alcohol, but it's still malty. It's, al- it's almost like soft velvet on the lips when you drink it, and then it just kind of, poof, it's gone, and then you want to drink some more. And it also has like very warming alcohol character to it, too. Um, let's see. There's definitely a lot of complex esters, al- alcohols, and phenols contributing to the intensity of this beer. has very little hoppiness. I mean, the hoppiness is only there to balance this beer. Um, she definitely focused on the malt of this beer. Overall, it's a very wonderful Belgian strong ale. Everyone should brew this beer at least once and c- continue to brew it. It's deep and red in color. has incredible flavors. Uh, and you can drink this beer over and over, and I guarantee you, you'll always get a different flavor out of it if you just think about what you're drinking is very unique and i can't say enough about this spirit it's actually a beer that really truly changed a lot of my brewing as far mm-hmm. as just wow you can make a beer this delicious and you can make it with your own hands so mm-hmm. sky's the limit from there so anyways there you go the sky's the limit when you use your own hands <laughs> absolutely <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get into the recipe for making this uh, Sky's the Limit beer. Back right after this. Okay, so my double IPA has an ABV of 7.5 and a clarity of brilliant. So that's a plus eight. I pour it. Sorry. Looks like she found it unpalatable. Ha! Shut up, Doug. My creek gets a plus ten versus girls because it's a fruit beer. You can't open the bottle, and she walks over to the guy with the Pinot Grigio. This sucks. Ugh, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this? Non-alcoholics Anonymous? Dude, get out of here. We're in the middle of a brew session. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really uh, use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Have you ever been called upon to explain why it's named India Pale Ale? Do you burp Y Yeast 3522 and crap Cascade? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge 24 hours a day at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the tongue splitter. I've got dry hops stuck in my braces. And the burp 
bourbon barrel porter. Now on tap in the Mos Eisley Cantina. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? For less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as seven cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. White Labs is a leader in pure yeast and fermentation services, serving the beer, wine, and distilling industries from worldwide producers for more than a decade. White Labs has three all-new vials for you to pitch this year, home brewers, so fire up your kettles, fill up your fermenters, and get ready for Cry Havoc, the signature yeast strain from Charlie Papazian. This yeast can ferment both ales and lagers and is great for bottle conditioning, too. Second, a cream ale blend of ale and lager yeast strains. This blend creates a clean, crisp, light American lager-style ale. Last, a Belgian-style Cezanne ale yeast blend. This blend melds Belgian-style ale yeast and Cezanne strains to create complex, fruity aromas and flavors. Get complete fermentation quickly with this blend's spicy, earthy, and clove-like flavors. White Labs, your brewing partner for great yeast. These new strains are available now for home brewers, breweries, and homebrew shops everywhere. White Labs, it's all in the vial. Yeah, oh, you're you were back. <laughs> wow, we're cooking oh with gas God. now. As yeah, they we're say, literally, we're <laughs> cooking with gas. We're, we're cooking in gas. <laughs> it's hot in here too. Yeah, heat and backness. <laughs> don't don't backness. Don't don't blend well. Uh, nothing like back knee, is it? <laughs> no. And the acne on your back. Acne, back knee, yeah. No. <laughs> that was funny. Back knee? Yeah. yeah. Insider? Insider. <laughs> so do you have like a killer recipe from, what was that book no. again? There's a new book. It's, no. uh, God, what is it? Brewing Classic, classic Something. There you go. It's written Page by 237. Oh, right, 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 right. There you go. Yeah, there's one of these days, we'll just turn on the mic and go, well, you know, just read through the book. And you're pretty much done. <laughs> Good night. Yeah. Actually, the book doesn't cover a lot of things that we cover here. It doesn't have all the half-assery that we have <laughs> live. And then they're legit information. And then, like, the BYO articles I do on different, different styles. That's even more in-depth. That's got a whole bunch of different set of details. So, you know, I, I do run across people who will they'll check out the book, they'll listen to the uh, show, right? and then they'll read the BYO article, and they'll email and go, what the hell? 
<laughs> I don't get it. And hopefully they're all pretty much track along right. <laughs> evenly and everything says the same thing. But every once in a while, uh, you know, between the time that we do a show like, you know, three years ago or, yeah, you know, the book coming out and the you know, BYO article that I might do, you know, next month. Yeah, yeah, I might tweak my attitude a little bit one way or another. Usually it's pretty close. Are the recipes consistent, though? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, unless I, you know, I've come up with some new piece of information. Okay. So I'll always go with the latest recipe that was published. Nice. Because uh, I'll always give, you know, and it, it, it's like the uh, evolution of the recipes over time. You know, I started a lot of these recipes many years ago, and then you know, I've been improving them, improving them, improving them, and I got to a point where... You know, most of them, you know, they're they're dialed in. I don't think I'm really going to ever change anything more. Sure. But uh, sometimes new ingredients come out, or you know, I I experience another uh, commercial example or something like that. I'm thinking, inspired eh, a little bit. Yeah, I could do I could do a little of this. I right. could do a little of that, and so I might tweak something one way or another. So you're basically telling me that, like, in five years. There's going to be an you have updated, to buy. You have to buy another book. There's going to be yeah. another book, an updated version yeah. 2.0 or something. Yeah, save your pennies. You have to buy another copy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, Was it going to be on DVD or something? Yeah, that would be cool. I give you a DVD of me dancing. How's that sound? Ooh. 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 That wasn't uh, an excited ooh. That no. was like a. That's a nasty ooh. Yeah. All right. So uh, for a double. Um, killer recipe. Killer recipe. Yes. Start uh, original gravity 1064. Uh, final gravity, you're targeting around 10, 12, about 81% attenuation. Uh, 23 IBU, 15 SRM, it's going to be about 6.9% ABV. And for your extract brewer, you're going to go with a Pilsner liquid malt extract, 7.8 pounds or 3.53 kilograms. Uh, a Munich liquid malt extract, uh, about uh, 0.8 pound or 363 grams. If you have a... Uh, uh, a blended that's like 100% Munich. So, whatever your blend, and here, here's here's one of the reasons that the Munich listed in the book mm-hmm. is is 100% Munich is because if you get a blend, there's different blends out there of Pilsner Munich. Sure, blended, right? Yeah, 70, 30, 60, 40. Right, 70, 30, 60, 40, 50, 50. Yeah, you know, it depends on what you get. So, if you get one of those, you can go ahead and use the blend in whatever proportion, and that'll take care. To use the blend for to get your amount of Munich that you need. Okay. And then you just subtract the amount of Pilsner, and for the rest, make it up with just straight Pilsner. Okay. okay. So sure. it gives you some flexibility that way, Absolutely. and that's, that's one of the reasons that uh, we decided to do it that way in the book. Uh, for the all-grain brewer, instead of the, the Pilsner extract and the Munich extract, you're going to use um, 10.6 pounds or 4.81 kilograms of a continental Pilsner malt, and the Munich malt will be uh, 1 pound or 0.45 kilograms. You're going to mash at 149 degrees Fahrenheit or 65 degrees C. And uh, uh, you'll want a 90-minute boil in that case uh, to uh, drive off DMS. All that Pilsner malt is going to right. produce a, a, a lot of DMS otherwise. Uh, your other grains that you're going to put in there, uh, aromatic, uh, a half pound, 227 grams. Same thing for Caramunic 60, a half pound, 227 grams. And Special B, uh, a half pound, 227 grams. You're going to want to put in um, a three-quarter pound of a dark uh, Belgian candy syrup. Uh, that's the, the stuff that's uh, become popular recently, yeah, the that dark candy dark, syrup. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, what they use over there now. One, one uh, container of that is about three-quarter pound or 340 grams, mm-hmm. one of those containers. You use all of that. And then uh, just plain old table sugar. 
a half pound or 227 grams. And the table sugar helps to dry it out a little bit. Dry it out and keep it from being uh, way too sweet because there's a lot of other character malts in here. Mm -hmm. Anytime you're using a lot of character malts, you need to be careful that your final gravity doesn't end up way too sweet or, you know, you end up with a uh, way too low an attenuation. Right. And that's a common problem, too, that homebrewers have, especially Mm -hmm. Belgians. Mm -hmm. And that can really. Like we've talked about in previous shows, and this, they'll dock you big time on that mm-hmm. residual mm-hmm. sweetness. It's not, it's not, you don't like to drink it. Right. You can't drink a lot of it. And, I mean, that's what and you this, do. this is probably one of the maltier, sweeter styles, right. uh, the Belgian double. But uh, again, it's still not that sweet compared yeah. to some to some stuff. So, uh, yeah, you got to be careful of that. Uh, exactly what you're saying there. Uh, let's see here. For hops, I like a, a Tetanang, 4% alpha acid, uh, pellets, 60 minutes, an ounce and a half, or 43 grams, gives you 23 IBU. So it's that's pretty lightly bittered for yeah. that much sugar and that much fermentable. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sweeter <clears throat> beer. Interesting. Hmm. Special B seems like a very, like, you, you can't make a Belgian double without Special B. seems like everyone uses Special B. And... I think that's such a unique grain. If you taste it raw, mm-hmm. that get like a like a raisin kind mm-hmm. of figgy flavor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Kind of complements the malt flavor of that beer, right? You know, kind and of a what rum, else? rum raisin, figgy yeah. raisin. Uh-huh. Now, would you use that that grain in another Belgian at all? Uh, dark yeah. strong, maybe, or yeah, you, you can could. use it in all sorts. Um, and I, I use it in a number <clears throat> of beers. I think. Okay. Uh, what about like? The maltiness on this beer. I mean, there's a lot of fermentables in this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I got a lot of questions. I mean, first, you're using table sugar to dry it out. Mm-hmm. That's just to get your alcohol up and dry it out. But mm-hmm. then, the dark candy syrup sugar is that just more of a is that a flavor that you're getting be, to get to, to be the style? Mm-hmm. Is that a little bit of co- color contribution? I assume mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, can't I, I assume you can't make a traditional Belgian double without that syrup because I mean, that's what they're using over there in their Belgians. Right. I mean, can you use a dark brown sugar in replacement or, or no. add some chocolate malt to it to add color? Uh, you know, people in the past have. And, okay. uh, you know, there's recipes out there that uh, do this without that dark candy syrup. Right. Um, but it's not. Yeah. And even those dark candy rock things. Yeah, I'd stop using those. Yeah, they don't. I they don't burnt the hell out of them upon my kettle. <laughs> yeah. And they don't provide the same flavor. It's mainly just you know straight sugar, and you know uh, I think you're much better off trying to source that dark Belgian candy syrup. I'd be surprised if your homebrew shop could not order that for you. Right. You know, uh, if you can't find it, your local homebrew shop is where you should be shopping. You know, make sure you're supporting your local homebrew shop. You can find it online, places like northernbrewer.com or morebeer.com. Uh, they both tend to have it, and uh, you know, and, and there's a, I'm sure a number of others. Um, uh, Williams, Seven Williams, Bridges, Seven Bridges, yeah. uh, uh, Midwest, Midwest, uh, yeah. just tons out there. Yeah, absolutely. I bet you, you know, in Australia, Grape and Green would get it for you. Absolutely. John Preston, yeah. those guys. So, uh, you know, it's available. You, you should be able to get it. Yeah, uh, you know, I'd be surprised if a homebrew shop uh, wasn't willing to carry it right. for you. So. Uh, yeah, hit up your local homebrew shop, and that's that's really the best way to go on this. I think it, it provides an important flavor contribution, like John's saying, something hard to replace with uh, just the grains. You can, and you, you can do a job, um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's a unique unique flavor. Now you're mashing pretty low this beer, 149. 
Right. That's not like the Jamil G spot. You know, it's like we're you know, like this is one for really drying her out. You know, and well, and um, you want that in this beer, right? I mean, yes, drinkability. Because, well, and it's just because you have so much in the way of uh, unfermentable sugars here. The um, Caramunic, the Special B. Uh, you know, all that is going to add to your unfermentables, all all your other specialty grains, uh, the aromatic and the uh, the dark candy syrup, they all have, and the Munich even has some components that are unfermentable. Okay. And uh, generally, the darker the grain, the less fermentable the sugars are. Right. So, uh, you know, all that unfermentable uh, added, and then, you know, uh, you, you can end up with something that uh, won't attenuate enough and ends up really thick and, and too chewy. Right. So you got to be careful of that. So uh, you know, one forty nine uh, Fahrenheit, a uh, sixty five degrees C, okay. is really the, the the sweet spot for this one. Can you mash too low, where it actually won't convert in like one forty three, one forty four, or does it take longer? But, uh, it takes longer. Okay, uh, it'll convert. It still will. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and there might be some starches, you know, unconverted, but you know, you, you'll be all right. Okay. Uh, yeast wise, um, the yeast I would uh, recommend for this is uh, WLP 530 Abbey Ale mm-hmm. or the Y Yeast uh, 3787 Trappist High Gravity. There is really no dry yeast you can use in no, this beer flavor, and make yeah. it. You know, it's really important. You know, the the flavor contribution of the yeast to this. You know, to many styles of beer, but you know, some of them you can get away with. Or there's good dry uh, yeasts available for like a you know a clean American style mm-hmm. beer for an English style uh, ale. For um, a lager, uh, you know, all those, there's there's some good dry yeasts, but they're not in the Belgians, liquid. no, yeah. they're, 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 there's just not. So, uh, really, you're going to want to go with one of those little liquid yeasts. That Abbey yeast is a little Pac-Man of a yeast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that will dry it out. And right. <laughs> You watch that ferment, that sucker's just ripping. Chug, chug, chug. Chug, chug, chug. Yeah. And yeah. it's just dry, dry, dry. Right. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right, so... Uh, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get into uh, uh, a few more of your questions and do, uh, and questions from the chat. We'll be back right after that. Cheers. Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Frecci and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous Watermelon Wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher, longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giant Park. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. And the new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. 
Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kennels, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The, the more beer, beer deal, deal of, of the day. day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the more beer deal of the day at morebeer.com. Celebrity voices impersonated. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. We're back. Yeah. Oh, we're back. <laughs> we're we're back me. Oh, we're, we're back in glory day. We're bad gas. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I was reflecting like Justin's a little riled up right now. I remember him and I arm wrestled like three years ago at NorCal Homebrewers Fest. Uh-huh. I still have problems with my elbow from that. <laughs> Did both Wait, you cry happened? at some point or what? For a month and a half, I had like tennis elbow where it ached. Like, just someone had a needle in it. Uh-huh. And now that I've gotten back into, you know, being active, playing baseball. Oh, uh-huh. I, after, like, 50 swings, I got, like, aching. Okay. But I was just you reflecting. sure your elbow wasn't just sore from rubbing it rubbing I did do a lot of weight teenager. Teenager. Absolutely, yeah. but. <laughs> you see that? <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to blame it on him, so I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Let's rile him up some more, so. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I imagine that drew a big crowd of spectators to, to to really, you know, marvel at the two physical specimens. Yeah, <laughs> dude, we're so solid, you don't even know. Wrestling away. We are solid. <laughs> I bet you somebody just wanted to see one of your arms snap like a toothpick. It was awesome, dude. We were like there for like three minutes, just not moving. <laughs> just glory days. Not moving. Just holding each other's hands. <laughs> Staring into each other's eyes. Yeah, I'm sure it twinkle, seemed very twinkle. manly at the time. <laughs> it was. I guess a few beers or anything. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Don't hey, if you say so, I'm not making fun of it. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I know this was your your, your very uh, manly story. and uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to comment on it at don't all. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> so, anyways. It's okay. <laughs> Anything I can do to make you laugh just makes my day. Oh, it, makes, yeah. it makes the show as smooth for me. Yeah, I, I, uh, just I to throw you off a little bit. That's you know? the thing about the Bruce Strong show. You know, I came in here and you know, a bunch of stiffs. Yeah, I'm like, like hey, oh my god, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm yucking it up. Everyone else is, you know, I don't know. You know, they got lots of great information. Yeah, but uh, you know, you know me, I'm not up to any information. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm all about the laughs. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's all. Hey, I'm let's talk some bigger. Beer. Anyways. Laughs and beer. Can I, I gotta ask you this, though. <laughs> you like how I present this to yeah. you every time? I'm always worried. It could be anything. You know, I'm thinking... What's the meaning of life? I mean, you know, no. Are those really photos of you on the internet I saw doing yeah, that my to space. that sheep? <laughs> the sheep asked me to. I yeah, mean, the yeah. sheep was over 18. Just close your eyes, right? I had too many beers to drink. Anyway. <laughs> Phenols. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. What what are phenols and uh, you know you hear described right, and, right. you know tell me more please you know, the, the phenolic compounds so you know, a whole class of flavors and yeah you know as far as you know we're talking about beer and aromas uh, and they they all tend to be kind of along the lines of the medicinal uh, 
plasticky, smoky, uh, clove. You know, it can be spicy even. And where does this come from? Mm-hmm. You know, they come from, you know, the yeast produce them. And, uh, you know, one of the things they, they talk about is, um, you know, don't use uh, chlorinated uh, uh, sanitizers. Like, don't use chlorine bleach to sanitize your equipment. If you do, you got to rinse it because if you get chlorine in there, you know, remove the chlorine from your brewing water. Because what happens is the yeast kind of process that and they spit out these uh, phenolic compounds and you get this medicinal plasticky yes, in gross. your beer, right? They give so them the, crack, right. basically. Yeah, it's and, you know, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it's like crack for the yeast, and then uh, that's what they they produce. And so, um, you know, all these other flavors that you get, they're they're yeast uh, produced flavors that come from, uh, you know, the certain yeasts will produce those just naturally without uh, without the the chlorine uh, available. Now, right? does the Abiel do this naturally? Uh, yeah, or? yeah, it, almost uh, many of the. Belgian yeast strains will produce uh, uh, some phenols. Okay. Now you don't want to go over the top. It can be you know excessive. I think you know a bit of a, a, a spicy uh, you know phenolic note uh, is is nice uh, in in the style of beer. Um, uh, you wouldn't add any spices to this, but uh, you know you get that naturally. Um, as far as uh, you know, you don't want to go over the top, but some clove notes, real, real nice to have. Are, are, are phenols temperature derived? I mean, oh, that uh, you know, like anything in yeast, you know, the amount of oxygen, temperature, health of the yeast, pitching rates, uh, you know, all that stuff is gonna gonna determine. Wow, uh, you know that. That's a lot of variables. Now, now sure, the Abbey yeast is quite the eater of sugar. I mean, this thing goes nuts. Now, can. Do you still pitch the same amount of yeast with your calculator that you have at MrMulty.com for a five-gallon batch, or do you under-pitch a little bit more just to kind of bring out some more of these esters and growth and more of these phenolics that you might want in a Belgian? Well, I'll tell you, you know, for me, I use the pitching rate calculator, and I use that amount of yeast for all the different beers. For all yeast? Yeah. All okay. yeast, all beers. And the reason I do is because I adjust the oxygen amount and the temperature instead. Oh. There's like the big three right there. Yeah. Same amount of yeast cells. Right, right, right. But and so it's just it's one thing that I can easily lock in. I could lock in, you know, other things. And I, I've gotten close to locking in oxygen as well. And then, um, you know, temperature is the variable I play with the most. Okay. Well, let's just talk about oxygen really quick. This is uh-huh. a home brewer. You pitch your yeast. Now, would you cut back a little bit on the O2, or would you increase the O2, or is there a saturation point where you just right you um, can't put any more into solution? Right. And how will that affect the outcome of that Belgian beer? Yeah, you know, if you get too rapid a growth and you do too much oxygen, uh, it really affects the flavor as well. You know, people think clean? you can't. It's like people think you can't add too much yeast. You can't add too much oxygen. No, it's not too clean. Um, you know, one of the things that I've experienced multiple times now is if you if you really pump a lot of oxygen in there, and then you'll get a harsher, harder alcohol. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's yeast dependent and you know, strain dependent. A lot of other things depend on it. But you know, uh, pitching rate versus you know, but. It can it can be kind of harsh, so it is possible to 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 add too much oxygen as far as as that goes. I know you know in theory it's not, but I've tasted some some beers that were made horrible by uh, you know uh, a lot of a lot much. of oxygen. 
Wow. Yeah, it's it was shocking to me when I first discovered this. So everything could have been fine, but they just did too much O2. And right, yeah, it was like, you know, Chad, he, he's doing everything flawlessly. That's right. And then I'm like, you know, this tastes like nail polish remover. What are you, you know, what are you doing? And he's going through every step, and I'm like, oh, it sounds exactly right. I, you know, I can't fault what you're doing. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, I realized that he, you know, has easy access to oxygen, and he was saying, you know, and I said, you know, how much oxygen do you put in this? And he's like, oh, like 10 minutes at two liters a minute. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'm doing, like, you know, a liter <laughs> liter a minute for one minute. I said, you know, cut cut back on that, cut way back on that yeah. and see if it makes a difference. Sure enough, that it was a it. a difference, yeah. Yeah. So it is possible to kind of, you know, make make a difference like that. So, you know, be careful. All those, it's like everything, There, every time people say that you can, you know, oh, you can't add too much whatever. Right. Bull. There's yeah. always a point where there's too much of something. Yeah. You can add too much salt and pepper. Right, you know, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, hops would be the only one I think you can't add too much of, but you get to a point, I think you could add so much that you can't get any beer out of it. You know, right. it would be just like, yeah. you know, hop, big green clump. See, yeah, <laughs> uh, hop mass, and, you know, you uh, there you probably added too much hops. Sounds like a visual. So, so yeah, everything's, everything's, uh, everything's possible to add too much, I think. I had a problem once when I brewed, um, I over-auctionated and I under-pitched, mm-hmm. and... You know, I had a wild huge yeast. amount of growth. And a wild yeast grow. Yeah, because the, the wild yeast is also yeah, it's there. getting you know, oxygen and yeah. yeah, and and it's not got a lot to compete with. Beer and, soured, right? And it actually didn't make it was watery. Yeah, it didn't yeah. make it didn't make alcohol. It, it, it just water. wipes out all the dextrins. Yeah, and, yeah, it was yeah. gross. Yep, that was a t- that's fifty gallons it's down the drain. Oh, so fifty gallons! Yeah, oh my god! Sick. I'm gonna cry in one second. <laughs> Anyways, well, let's talk about temperature then. You didn't wipe that tear off there. Yeah, no, yeah. it's all right. All right. Okay. Oh, Don't go. Anyways. <laughs> Temperature. Yes. I've, we, I had about three minutes with you and Stan Hieronymus about two years ago. I'd, um, it only took us three minutes? G-A-B-F. Both Stan and I? Yeah, that's really fast. So you guys are great, by Usually the way. Stan and I take longer. Anyway. Um, <laughs> to, you know, talk about beer. Yeah, absolutely. And he, you guys were both agreeing upon that you pitch a little bit cooler, uh-huh. and then you ramp it up. Uh-huh. And how does this affect a Belgian yeast, and how does this affect the overall impression of the beer? Right. Um, you're pitching like the mid 60s, I think, 66 or well, 64. Uh, you ramp it up, maybe right, 70. Right, right. Right. And I know you do that with most beers, or with all mm-hmm. beers, you probably mm-hmm. do that. But well, and it, it was the Belgians, I think, that got got me doing, that. and and loggers as well, kind of got me into. Doing this, uh, you know, ramping up at the temperature. Mm-hmm. I think that that made the difference. Uh, you know, for this beer, uh, I'd like to pitch at uh, you know 64 degrees Fahrenheit, 18 degrees C, and then I let the temperature rise slowly for uh, you know over the course of a week it, to about uh, 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 21 degrees C. And uh, what that does is, you know, kind of controls some of the hotter alcohols and, you know, some of the phenols and stuff and doesn't let it get completely out of control. Okay. And uh, uh, makes for, you know, uh, I think, uh, you know, a little bit more restrained beer. Okay. Uh, I think one of, the, one of the big problems I find with a lot of home-brewed Belgians is that they're way over the top when it comes to, to phenols and uh, esters and alcohols. Sure. And if you go and you have the, the finest examples of these, it's far more restrained. Even, you know, same thing with you know, German wheat beers. Yeah. You know, people are just like, you know, it's blasting with <laughs> clove and banana. It's just Whoa. like, oh, my God. 
you know, it shouldn't be like this. You should, you know, (laughs) you should taste malt and, you know, and, uh, you know, people just let the fermentations go totally out of control. And they think that that's right because everybody starts drinking each other's homebrew and they think, oh, this is a good example. And so everybody, you know, the perception has gone up and up and up and, and, and it gets out of control. Right. That's why it's, you know, it's hard to judge Belgians in, in a lot of homebrew competitions because, you know, a lot, a lot of people of still going out of control. I think it's right. gotten better over the years, right. but, uh, you know, it was, you know, pretty horrible at one time. I think people have a misconceived conception of, like, you got to ferment them hot. Right. right. Yeah, 75. Right. right. You know, that's how you make a Belgian. You know, well, no. and, you know, in their defense, you get there. Guess, you know, a lot of times, you know, they'll say, well, you know, Belgian Brewery A. They don't uh, have temp. They, you know, they do theirs at 80 degrees. You know, that's how you do it. You know, you do it at 80 degrees. It's like, well, song, yeah, right? but they, you know, they, they've, they're using different malt, they use different equipment, they're using, you know, different uh, depth of fermenter, they do, you know, all these other factors come into play. Hmm. And, you know, trust me on this, you don't want to do exactly what they do. Right. On your scale, it's going to be a different set of controls that you need to adjust. You can get close, you know, you can, you can use their information to kind of get you a ballpark, mm-hmm. but it's not going to turn, you. if you do what they do in, on your equipment, your scale, and your location, it's going to turn out totally different. Absolutely. And what <laughs> you're going to need to you know, adjust from there. So, in the end result, if you're trying to make a beer like, you know, Belgian Brewery A, mm-hmm. You're going to have a whole different set of, uh, you know, factors that, you know, a different recipe. It's going to be different, uh, you know, treatment of the yeast, different pitching rates, different, you know, fermentation temperatures. I mean, there's, there'll be some similarities, but, you know, in general, you're going to have to do something different to make the same beer. Sure. You know, it's, uh, I can't stress that enough. It's, uh, you know, something. To get, even to get close about. would be an accomplishment. <laughs> right, you know. right. But, you know, don't, uh, just say, well, you know, they do it this way, so it has to be that way. I don't see how you could make the same beer without doing it the same way. Sure. Uh, you know, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. <laughs> yes, there is. And, uh, you know. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the lawnmower method. Yeah. The, <laughs> Absolutely. The Cuisinart method. <laughs> the buck knife method. Yeah. Uh, which other methods have we used? Uh, razor blade. Uh, exacto knife. Yeah. Yeah. Head to toe. Brain mill. Yeah. Tail to head. Tail to head. Tail to head. Asshole to pounds. cheek. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, For all I, you cat lovers out there, we apologize. Just, this, this segment was... Uh, I'm actually a cat lover. I've got two cats at home. Their yeah. name's Carl and Rifka. Yeah, JP's probably going to like hunt us down now. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. have a lot of cats. I like cats. <laughs> what about... <laughs> JP? I mean, you kind of mentioned geometry of these fermentations. Fermenter geometry. Absolutely. I mean... If you surface area and weight volume, uh-huh. it's got to affect yeast health. Oh yeah, and yeah. Well, and the amount of the partial pressure of uh, gases on the uh, on the yeast at the bottom of the fermenter, uh, you know that that'll affect uh, you know what they produce as well. So CO2 is affecting flocculation of yeast. Uh, well, okay. So you know they have like. Um, you know, in lager brewing, they have that high-pressure lager yeast, and they, they have this thing where if you, you know, put the, the yeast under a couple of PSI of pressure, you can ferment your lagers at, you know, 65 degrees, and they don't produce hardly any esters. Because it's scrubbing it. No, it's just the yeast don't produce esters when they're under pressure like that. The pressure of CO2 holds down that, and they, they don't produce that. Oh, wow. So you can do these hot lager fermentations. The problem is it tastes like crap because <laughs> there's other things. But it doesn't produce esters, so it actually changes. You know, the, partial, the higher the partial pressure of CO2 on the yeast, 
you know, the the, the more it, it it restricts the the fermentation, and uh, you know, you get uh, it alters the um, the overall flavor profile that the yeast produce. Okay, so you got to kind of be careful of that, but you know, th- that's why you know really deep fermenters. Um, Wide flat shallow fermenters, you know, all these things sure. have the, you know, corners in a fermenter uh, make a difference. You know, the the circulation patterns tend to, you know, things tend to get trapped there. Uh, you out or- yeah, versus you know a conical fermenter that tends to have more of a, a circulation. You know, all these things has an impact. Okay, and believe it or not, it changed the flavor of the beer. And so, you know, you you need to do something different in order to get the same beer. If you don't have exactly, even with ex- exactly the same circumstances, you put a different brewer in that brewery, the beer turns Absolutely. out different. Right. Well, let me throw this at you then. Well, you've gone from conical back to carboy. Mm-hmm. And I know you're the brewer that repeats recipe, repeats recipe, until you nail it, mm-hmm. and you refine it, refine it, refine it. Now that you've gone back to carboys, mm-hmm. what have you noticed with your recipes? A change or... Well, you know, I was mainly using conicals for, you know, large batches and for um, uh, lagers. Okay. And then, uh, you know, I discovered once I was able to whirlpool and remove the the tube and the break material and then, um, uh, you know, chill it down to lager temps, lager pitching temps, I didn't need the conical anymore. It's just, you know, I'm lazy. Yeah, fair and, enough. Yeah, and I'd been using, you know, side-by-side carboys because I didn't have enough conicals. Right. With carboys, they're cheap. I can get a whole bunch of carboys and, you know, ferment, you know, eight, ten beers at the same time. Right. Well, with conicals, I was stuck to, like, you know, two at a time. You had to win in costs to get one. Yeah, and I kept winning. When I did, I gave away the conicals. Or, you know, yeah, you did. Sold the conicals. Every single one of them. I was kind of like, well, all right. You know, I got two. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, so uh, I, I decided to to go to the carboy, and and also, you know, I think most of the people out there are using carboys. Yeah. So I kind of like the fact that we're all kind of using a similar piece of equipment. Yeah, it keeps the information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of solid. And uh, you know, people go, well, you know, Jamil, you're using car- uh, conicals, and I was, no, I'm no, not. Yeah, you're using carboys. So uh, yeah, I kind of like you know, don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm I'm using carboys too. Sure. And that you know, the results you get should be should be very similar. Sure. Of course, if you're using you know two and a half gallon carboys, five gallon carboys, it's going to change. Six gallon, yeah, it's going to change. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, uh, all that stuff makes a difference. I think it'd be great if homebrewers can do. Uh, Two three gallon carboys, and mm-hmm. then like do an Abbey and a Trappist, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then blend them. Yeah, yeah, yeah why yeah. not? Yeah, and, you know, and the difference between you know one and the other, you know, side by side, uh, you know, like five gallon versus you know a six and a half gallon carboy. You know, side by side, you might t- detect the difference, okay. but yeah, it's going to be pretty minimal. Okay, you know, the shapes are the s- similar, and you know all that. Okay, but uh, you know when you're talking commercial to carboy, you know a, a, a fifty barrel fermenter. <laughs> Compared to a, uh, a, big a five gallon carboy, yeah. uh, there's 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 some significant difference. And side by side, you're going to get a completely different taste. Absolutely. So, yeah, you, you have to make some adjustments for that. Break time, beer time, no, jet time. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thirsty. I, I got ahead of myself. I think it's wrap time. Wrap time. You want to wrap the end of the show for us, please? Say. <laughs> um, he's got a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> I did end up getting a couple questions for the style for you. Uh-huh. First one, uh, serious question. He says, uh, "Would it be the style to add meth or cocaine to a Belgian double?" Uh, you know, for for you know your average crackhead, yeah, I think so. Okay, I think so that'd be fine. I would go with uh, you know maybe like an eight ball per five gallon. Yeah, no, yeah, maybe, maybe two eight balls. 
That works. Yeah. Yeah. Good ratio. Yeah. Uh, I know how people like detailed information on these. If I don't give it, they get upset. Here's a question uh, from somebody who's currently brewing your Irish red. So he wants to brew this this Belgian double. Oh, okay. He's curious about using that Irish red yeast. He wants to use that in this beer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I, I guess he's wondering what you think the outcome. He says he know it won't, he knows it won't be the style. Uh-huh. It won't. It will no longer be a Belgian double necessarily. Right, right. But he likes what the word could he profile. Expect? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fair question. Yeah. Um, gosh, what yeast is it that? that uh, he did tell me. Is he using the Irish ale? It's or? the 004 Irish ale yeast. Yeah. Uh, you know. I, it's going to be kind of like a uh, interesting sweet stout of some kind, I think. Okay. That would uh, be close to. And what temp would you ferment at if it was you doing this Irish ale yeast? Uh, I think I would go, you know, 68 Fahrenheit. Okay. All right. Uh, another question that came through. People asking about what you think the WLP 500 yeast in this, five hundred. Um, Do you know which one that is? Uh, yeah, uh, five hundred. You know, five fifty. Um, you know, all those, and you know, you can. I think you can. Uh, you know, five forty. You can. You can go with any of those. Okay. And you, you'll be. You'll be all right. All right. The five fifty is the Belgian ale. Right. I don't think you get enough enough phenols. It's too clean. You think so? Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. There's and, uh, some, but there's not it is, enough. It is. It is a, a cleaner version. Um, I think you can go with almost any of those, though. Sure. And mm-hmm. you'll you'll be fine. I mean, it's it's not going to be out of style. I think. You know, people may prefer one over the other, but I think you know, they'll all they'll all work out quite well. Okay, and last question uh, from the chat. He's th- this person is thinking of adding uh, sour cherries, four to five pounds, to this double recipe. Mm-hmm. He wants to know if he should adjust the mash temp to compensate for the dryness that the cherries may impart. No, <laughs> no, no. Because I think there'd be quite enough sweetness, anyways, and. I think you know when you when you want the fruit, um, kind of like a framboise. Yeah, or you know, but if you want fruit character, you know, you have to have it a, a little tartness in there. It doesn't seem like fruit; it seems too fake. So I would I would keep it probably just you know very much the same and just go with the sour cherries. I think you'd be just fine. I think it will work out quite well. Where in the process do you add those cherries? He didn't ask. I'm asking that. Uh, you know, you do a secondary, and you put them in there. Yeah, you don't want to put it in the boil. Because uh, it's going to drive off all the aromatics, and cherries are a difficult thing to get enough uh, aromatics and and flavor in. And then, um, yeah, I wouldn't do it in the fermenter for the same reason. I'd I'd do a secondary in this case, and okay. uh, you know, rack the uh, beer right onto the cherries. All right. And uh, you know, let them break those cherries down as much as possible. And uh, yeah, that, that that'll work out nice. Okay. And that's it from the chat room. It's all yours. Probably a great base beer. Yeah, and cherries. And- yeah, and uh, you know, people people have done uh, you know a double with cherries, uh, uh, cherries and chocolate as well. Mm. Turns out actually pretty good dessert beer. Talking dirty, and that's what, what he might do is um, you know add the cherries, and if he needs to sweeten it up, he could add like you know chocolate back. That's mm. just regular chocolate. Yeah, Hershey yeah, or, or, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hershey syrup, syrup, or even you know some cocoa powder or something like that. Anything. If you add some chocolatey flavors, people get the perception that something's sweeter, hmm. even though you're not adding any sweetness. 
And uh, so, okay. you know, again, it's all about perceptions. It's it's not what it really is. But, you know, certain flavors trigger other perceptions in people's minds, like oak and aging mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, uh, chocolate and something seems sweet and, uh, you know, uh, all those things. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so for this, uh, Original Gravity 1064, Final Gravity 1012, um, 23 IBU, 6.9% ABV, 15 SRM. Uh, extract Brewer, Pilsner Liquid Malt Extract, 7.8 pounds or 3.53 kilograms. Uh, Munich Liquid Malt Extract, 0.8 pounds or 363 kilograms. Uh, all Grain Brewer, instead of that, you're going to use 10.6 pounds, 4.81 kilograms of Continental Pilsner Malt, and uh, 1 pound or 0.45 kilograms of Munich Malt, and mash at 149 degrees Fahrenheit, 65 degrees C. Your other uh, ingredients or your other grains for that mash are going to be uh, or steeping would be aromatic, a half pound at 227 grams, and the same amount of Caramunic 60 and Special B 120. And uh, in the boil, you are going to add uh, uh, dark Belgian candy syrup, uh, three-quarter of a pound or 340 grams. That's one of those uh, Belgian candy syrup containers. And then cane sugar, uh, you know, your regular old table sugar or beet sugar, whatever it would be, uh, a half pound or 227 grams. Hops, tetanang, 4% alpha acid, uh, Pellets at 60 minutes, ounce and a half or 43 grams should give you about 23 IBUs using the Rager formula and a six-gallon uh, end of boil volume. And your yeast, White Labs WLP 530, Abbey Ale or Y Yeast 3787 Trappist High Gravity. Uh, you're going to use uh, that at uh, 64 degrees Fahrenheit, 18 degrees C, and then slowly let that rise uh, to through about 70 degrees Fahrenheit or 21 degrees over the course of a week. And once finished, carbonate three to four volumes and uh, and then uh, give it some time to age. That really helps improve the beer. If you're an all-grain brewer, also don't forget, increase the uh, boil time to 90 minutes because you're using right. a bunch of pills or malt. You don't want DMS in that beer. Right. Uh, if you're an extract brewer, you can you can go with a 60-minute boil. You'd be fine. Right. All and right. drink strong. Drink strong. Uh, don't forget to listen to Brew Strong. Our new show on the uh, Brewing Network. Don't forget to uh, support our sponsors, uh, northernbrewer.com. Uh, uh, excellent uh, sponsor out there in the uh, great guys in the great in the, in the great uh, northwest or nor- north midwest. And um, support AHA, uh, support, support the, AHA, the Brewing Network, support Brewing Network. Just, Just send us some money and you know donate today. Yeah. Check out the new <laughs> website. It's beautiful. Well done, Justin and Andy Rue. And code, right? There you go. All right. There you go. So uh, listen to Bruce Strong. And don't forget to drink. Oh, that other show. (laughs) Don't forget to drink. (laughs) Don't forget to drink. (laughs) 